Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to The Curator Podcast. Season 2. Episode 26. An interview with POS. Run my car and, yeah. and the engine's on. Engine's on because it's cold out it's there. It's fucking cold outside. Yeah. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm at the very end of four months of touring with uh, like three breaks. So I got two more shows, and this one's about to be sold out. Tomorrow is oversold by 50 people already. So. Oh, shit. Where, where's one tomorrow? Uh, London. London. Oh, man. So that's a long drive tonight, tomorrow, tonight. Tomorrow, uh, it's all trains, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. The trains, the trains uh, don't tend to work in the cold, so you're quite lucky. <laughs> you're quite lucky going Hon- Honestly, we haven't had too many delays. We did this whole Europe tour by train, except really? for the places where we had to take like short flights. But yeah, it's it's been great. So it's like an interrailing, basically. That's what you call it. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> How's that been? Like touring it's, on a train? It's great, man. This, every time I've toured Europe, except for once with Doomtree, I did trains. So wow. when Doomtree, the whole crew came, we got a driver, tour manager to take us all over, but uh, there's more guys, more guys and girls. Yeah, there's more. Yeah, there's <laughs> more people to try to wrangle. So when it's just me and a DJ, we uh, book the trains in advance and try not to miss them. You know. And how's that going? We missed one today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's been a while, man, since you've been uh, in Glasgow. Uh, I have. And the new album is it's fucking cool, man. Thanks, man. I really, I really it. like it. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier on when I was thinking about questions, and I was like, you've not done two records that sound the same, which is fucking awesome. That's kind of, that was the plan from from Jump. Well, not from Jump, but almost from Jump. Uh, the first record, Ipecac Neat, was literally every rap song I had made up until that point, mm-hmm. from like age 18 to 21 or whatever, except for the two that we cut from the record. Um, and then Audition, I wanted it to be everything that I knew how to do mm-hmm. and then from there the point was to kind of focus in on different parts of what I did on audition in different kind of directions I'd never want a record to sound the same they never sound like I want them to sound ever <laughs> but they don't ever sound the same yeah I was reading about that earlier on I was doing my interview research as always do and um, I've I, I seen that you've, you said in a few interviews that you had like some other plans for this record and then it yeah. kind of didn't go that way <laughs> That's that's all the records, man. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I always kind of have... I'm one of those people that instead of making songs every day, which is what you should do, is just, like, make songs every day and then every once in a while you just grab the best ones and go. I don't do that. I 
think about what I want things to sound like for like three months and then I sit down and start and then I try to try to it doesn't always work but I try to like spend like a three month block of time five month block of time just just working on the the record you know like I'll sit down and listen to my old records usually just the most recent one and the one before it and then I will you know get out my machines and start pounding out beats and listening to beats from the, the producers I appreciate and then trying to write and no matter what I'm aiming to do with the record it's never never it's never what I try to do uh chill dummy maybe especially I've never written such like a personal record before mm -hmm. I usually save like the personal lines and the details about my life for like just little things sprinkled throughout the other songs but this one just came out really personal. <laughs> After we do even live here, I was like, obviously you were ill and stuff, and and then I was like, what's the next thing going to sound like? And obviously it took a while because mm -hmm. you had a lot of shit going down, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. And then when I heard Sleep Drone Superposition, I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Where did the fuck did that come from? Honestly, I felt like it was so long. Like, have you been sitting on that for like years? And just like just no, came out. <laughs> no, no, no. I uh, the January before the record came out. I made the beat at my friend's house in LA. I went out to LA to start kind of demoing what the next record would be. And like the only thing that I came back from that trip with was the beat for Sleep Drone. And uh, as I was making it, as I was like kind of thinking how I wanted the song to go, the first thing I thought was I like this synth part. This is crazy. Um, I got this cool little box when I was in LA called uh, Sleep Drone is actually what the synthesizer is called made by a company called King Capital Punishment that's out of business now. Um, or they merged with something else, Skycord, maybe? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> um, I made the, the synth part, and I just thought to myself, I don't want snare, dr snare drums in this. This will be really cool if there's just no snares. You know, and I added the little tom part, and then uh, the more I listened to it, the more it was like, this feels like it should be kind of long. And then I just started writing, and then I didn't stop until it felt like it was done, you know? <laughs> And then I actually made it a lot longer in the process. After I had three verses, I made the outro, and then the outro was so big, I needed to make another verse to fit the musical outro. So I made a, a fourth verse and then added the outro after that. Yeah, typically my songs are, you know, two verses, mm -hmm. um, real short and sweet. And that one, <clears throat> I hadn't put out music for like three years, rap music, for like three years, and it just made the most sense to me, I feel like, as like a nice reintroduction. Yeah, for like for me, it was really interesting because like I'm I'm a punk kid at heart, and it's always about the short st the short shit for yeah, me. Yeah. You know, I do like long songs, and when I come, when you're talking about like when you sit there to write something, like you you think about it for so long. Like when it comes to me for writing music, like I think about it too much to the point where yeah. I just like kind of break my brain a little bit. Yeah, and that's why I can never write anything longer than two minutes. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's that song came to me in chunks. Like they always come to me in chunks. If I, I like I said, I don't love to sit down and write music. You know, if the spirit is moving me, then yes, I do. But usually it's my manager or Laserbeak from Doomtree, the like head of the label, to be like, all right, man, it's time to make a record. You know, do like, something. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, ah, you're right. You know, but when I'm not writing like a proper verse and sitting down to write, still every day I'm looking at things, I'm thinking about things. I take out my notes on my phone and I'll jot down a line here, a line there. And when I when you know when it comes to comes time to like sit and write a song, I'll go back to those lines or those like two bars or like 
whatever little moments of inspiration I had, and I'll try to connect them to other things and build from there. So a lot of that song just kind of came together over the year in like, here's a line, here's like a four bar chunk, here's a topic I want to cover, I don't know how, but make sure to get that in there, you know? So it's, it, I didn't like sit down and write all nine minutes of it at once, I sat down and- uh, Can you imagine that? Three or four <laughs> sessions. No, I mean, I didn't really like the idea of a super long song e either. It fits um, so well, the record. But it, but it fits the record, and it, it, it made sense as, like, the first thing, first solo music to come out for a long time. Reminded me of the No Effect song, The Decline. I, oh, went, yeah, back totally, and, yeah. I went back and listened to that um, a bunch of times to remember how they were able to break it up, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that No Effect song is every style of song that No Effects does, all mm -hmm. the songs that Fat Mike writes, it's elements of all of their whole catalog into these little like, like 30 second to two minute long chunks, but they bring it all together with just a really solid and big chorus. So that's kind of what I try to do with this one is like, how do I, how do I come up with a chorus that speaks to all the words that I'm saying and also is big enough to break up the monotony of this one note <laughs> and no snare drum that I'm gonna be rapping on, you know? You were saying that, what you just said there, like, it's, you find that you're not the kind of person that wants to write music, but you keep getting inspired to do stuff. Do you, would you call yourself like a, a like productive kind of creative person? I think so. I think that even when I don't feel like I'm doing much, I still have, you know, ten pots on the stove. You know, I'm always <laughs> you're always uh, doing something, man. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not making my own music, I'm working with like right now. I'm working with Angel Davenport. Uh, she she's on the song Gravedigger. Yeah. Um, I'm helping her. Uh, along with Psalm One, we're producing a record for Angel Davenport to make sure that she gets a solo record out really soon because she's killer. Um, I've contributed to tons of Marijuana Death Squad's music. I've contributed to, you know, all the Doom True records. Shredders just came out. Like I'm always, I'm always doing something, whether or not I necessarily want to be working on solo POS music. Solo POS music is the hardest thing that I do. I think. I mean, it's, it definitely seems taxing. Like when you listen to it, it feels yeah. like it, it feels like you've kind of poured everything into it. Yeah. But not sometimes not in a good way. Like in a really kind of oh my god, I I'm just spent now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot. I mean, honestly, like that's that's the thing is, when I want to make music, I want it to be real. I want it to be what's actually going on with me, or actually a good uh, version of what I'm looking at or what I'm experiencing in the world. Um, this most recent record was pretty emotionally taxing to make. But as soon as it's done, it's done, and it feels good. You know, even like the sadder or more heavy songs still come off feeling good to me now because I don't know. It's the same thing. If you start any project and then finish a project, you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like I feel like people ask me or mention their depression or something like that, and it's always my suggestion is like find a project and start it and then finish it. You know, whether you're making like origami birds or you know getting a puzzle with a thousand pieces and putting it together like finishing something feels good yeah. you know that's what I was going to ask you like now that because the, the record came out so much well a lot of songs are not so personal mm -hmm. and there was a lot of personal strife involved in, in a lot of the topics when you perform it now does it feel like letting go yeah I mean yeah that's that's a huge deal like trying to perform heavy songs to a crowd without bumming out the crowd mm -hmm is, uh, I feel like, uh, it's like a tightrope, you know? 
I feel like I've gotten really good at it. I feel like my personality isn't nearly as moody as my songs tend to be. You know, I'm not as angry as my songs might suggest. I feel like people who have never seen me live before see me live for the first time and uh, are usually pretty excited about the positive energy in the room, despite maybe the heaviness of some of the music. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I, I definitely, you know, have have a release, especially when I'm over here, man. It's a very emotional thing for me to be halfway across the planet and have people know the music and a beat starts and the crowd reacts to the beat, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, this is working, <laughs> you know, like this is, this is cool. I've come all this way for the cool shit to happen yeah. and it's all because people dig what I've made. That's, yeah. That must be a mind-blowing thing, you know. Yeah, it is totally mind-blowing and it's, uh, it never loses its cool. It really, <laughs> it really doesn't. You know, I played uh, in Brussels the other day for 40 people, but all 40 of those people who barely spoke English still like would yell the lyrics back at me. And then I'd be like, you guys doing good? And they'd be like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I only know what you're talking about when you're rapping. <laughs> that's so weird, man. But I guess what music, that's where music takes you. Yeah. And the thing that I love about your whole ethos as well, which is, I mean, I first, I first heard you through, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's got Greg from Boots Oh, yeah, Taylor yeah, Souls. Taylor Souls, yeah. And I was like, fuck, this guy, uh, this guy's like a punk that does like, hip-hop, which is cool as fuck. Yeah. But the whole punk ethos, because obviously you are punk as well, like, the whole punk ethos yeah, yeah. Like, like, comes through everything you do. You can't help it. I feel like if you get into punk and get into like the DIY scene and hardcore and just those communities at a young enough age, it's going to affect everything that you do forever. Yeah. You know? And I feel like... I mean, I got I got a black flag tape in sixth grade, so. Uh... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, 10 years old, 11 years old, like I was already kind of on that. Um... And the only reason why I rap in the first place is because my bands broke up, man. People, ha- people had to go to college. People had stuff to do. And rapping is a thing that you can do 100% by yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So that was, that was it, you know? And then Doomtree became a thing. Doomtree became ethos, you know? Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody in Doomtree either has that same thing where they grew up with that thing or very quickly fell in love with it as we were doing it yeah I think that that's I think that's pretty true to say that's the thing that impresses me the most about any artist that I love and that kind of it's like mm-hmm. you pull yourself up and you do it because nobody else could do it for you yeah you know and also because none of us want to do anything else yeah totally you know and at this point you know 16 years into it 17 years into it it's, it's like so far you know my life's work you know, all of us in Doomtree, this is like the thing we've focused on for more of our life than anything else, you know? So at this point, it just kind of feels good and it feels right. What's this scene like in, in Minneapolis then for, for, I guess? Uh, for music? Yeah. Uh, music scene in Minneapolis is, mm-hmm. is amazing. Always has been since, you know, 
halfway through the 70s when he started getting like the Minneapolis style funk. Mm. I'm a huge Prince fan as yeah, well. That's like, what I'm saying. Like Prince's stamp is all over everything in Minneapolis. Husker Du, Replacements, Dillinger 4, Atmosphere. A lot of like really important to each genre. You know, there's, I feel like there's, there's groups like Husker Du that are super important to uh, punk and underground music and replacements, which are super huge to pop and underground music. And yeah, man, Bob Dylan, <laughs> Prince, like we got, we got some icons out of, out of our city. And I feel like that tradition has stayed. There's still no major labels anywhere near us. So it's never been about making an album and then impressing everybody. Mm-hmm by getting big and going to a major it's about making the best possible album of your peers in the city you know mm-hmm. and then everybody trying to outdo each other you know yeah, just make cool and creative music yeah. and do it and other people I know that come from like that that part of the world are fucking so productive as well I think yeah. there's, there's like is that is that related to Prince in any way because he used to do shit all the time like, nah, <laughs> I mean Prince Prince was the hardest worker of all of the people just because he's the only musician ever really he's the only <laughs> musician ever uh, <laughs> nah but man, he you know he conquered the world and then scaled it back and started playing 600 cap rooms but for like a week in a row you know like he doesn't want to play giant auditoriums because it's not personal he'll just play this little tiny room 15 times you know, like, because he wants to. He'll just do whatever he wants to do. And I feel like a lot of people were inspired by that, still are inspired by that. Um, but it's not just Prince. I think it's anywhere on this, uh, anywhere, anywhere that sits with full seasons, any place where it gets cold enough mm-hmm. to where your options are sit in a bar and drink or go somewhere and be productive, you're going to find cool art. You know, whether it's people who stay inside and drink and make amazing poetry and literature or people who stay inside and drink and write amazing folk songs or people who don't drink, but they stay inside and, you know, it's too cold to go outside. So they're inside trying to be creative or get something done. I feel like there's a there's a trap in cold weather that's either you work on something and make something and try to pass this time while you can't go outside or you just get depressed. You know, and there's just that battle between yeah. those two things. I think you mentioned you mentioned atmosphere there, and I've spoke to Slug for the for the podcast, cool. and he was saying that for him, when it comes to writing music, it's all about trying to create the perfect song. Yeah. Do you like? Do you have? If you get any similar, not the same, but any kind of similar way of approaching music when you kind of no. go towards it, just just, like, <laughs> just expressing that moment. Basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I feel like Slug has albums and albums of super amazing personal writing very clever very thoughtful very good writing and I think after a certain point he might have felt like he conquered that and wanted to go on to do a different thing you know and then he started getting more into storytelling and maybe writing perfect songs I know that that same thing happened with Dave Grohl Mm -hmm. you know I remember reading interviews with Foo Fighters and just from from the earlier stuff from them I'm not the biggest Foo Fighters fan they have their total jams throughout their catalog they got great songs but just as an example they uh made all of like the easy slapdash kind of rock songs and then they made some cool a little bit more complicated rock songs and then i think that i read that his next goal was just like i just need to write these perfect 
pop rock songs because I have all the skills. I've got all these talented people to work with. It would be awesome to just write these perfect songs. And that's, that's a cool approach. And maybe when I get older, I'll think about things like that. But to this day, I can't write a linear thing in my life. I just can't. It's just not how my brain works. If I want to write a song about tacos, I might start and the first couple lines will be about tacos and then I will get sidetracked by something I might notice at the taco stand or somebody's face when they spill their food or something and then that'll get me on to something else. And then by the end of this yeah, by the end of the song, it's not about tacos at all. It's just loosely about an experience at a taco stand or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I just have never been able to pick a topic and stick to it like that. As much as I wish I could. It's just not what I'm good at, you know? But, I mean, you have written quite a lot of stuff which tackles political issues. Yeah, but even my political songs, it's less about the politics and more about the way the politics affect me and my friends and the way that I think. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be like, Donald Trump is this because of this, this, and this. You know, I might be like, Donald Trump said this, and then these things happened with these people, and then this person, because of that, did this thing. You know, like, it just, it, it never, I'm, I'm following the words more than I'm thinking of them and putting them out. You know, I'll think of, I know the best rappers will think of the last line and then kind of work backward and they'll give you the first line so they can say the amazing thing at the end. You know what I'm saying? I very much write a line and then think of a line that rhymes with that line. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's very, like step by step instead of like fully fleshed out punchlines and clever things it's a lot more about just like I need to get this out of my head you think that's what helps you and, and kind of focus well kind of kind of aiming towards not making the same record because it's like well I mean that's the thing I don't get about a lot of bands and a lot of artists is like yeah making the same record twice is, is something you could do but I mean you change as well as a person you do you know and what you like changes definitely and like being in a situation where you kind of just you're just following this idea and just to see what it goes is liberating I, I think I think it's liberating I think that maybe if I had like hit songs I might try to reproduce them but that's probably not true either <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, I think more realistically it's it's like I made audition and the vibe was, this is everything that I know how to do at this point. And then when it was never better, it was like, I'm going to focus on trying to get the energy and the spirit of punk in this rap without having, like, jud-jud guitars mm-hmm. or things like that. I want, how do I do that without coming off corny, like, Limp Bizkit or something <laughs> like that? You know, like, how do I have that spirit and that energy but don't have obvious, like, guitar riffs and things like that? So it was just trying to sample drums a little bit wrong so everything feels like it's falling forward and just moving quick. Um, trying to take the standard building blocks of hip-hop and just tweak them enough to where it feels like there's more urgency or there's more, like, energy. You know what I'm saying? I want to make a boom back, boom bat beat feel like you have to run forward instead of nod your head. It, like you're falling forward and you have to be catching yourself that feels cool to me but then people didn't take it that way anyway they were like this is rap rock I don't like it you know like a lot of you know a lot of people who didn't give it the full investigation would hear it a little bit and be like I don't know it's just noisy it's rap rock 
So the next record was like, okay, no guitars. No guitars at all. Let's just make fucking dance music. Yeah, it goes you hard, know? that record as well. That, that was it the goes, thing, yeah. is, is I was trying, I know that like, you can only go so hard with a guitar these days when the technology is has has surpassed analog guitar playing. Now you can load up stuff in machine or drum machines and then run it through guitar effects and things like that. And then you got more power behind your stuff. So I tried to make this like, you know, I went to Germany for the first time and had a blast and met Boys Noise and tried to make like a dancey ass dance record. And it was fun, but you know, I don't know how to make dance music, so it doesn't come off like normal dance music. It just comes off like some shit I made. And then this record, I was like, maybe I'll try to have a couple pretty songs. <laughs> you know? And you chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really chill record. I mean, that was the most surprising thing. It is a really chill record for me, for sure. And I didn't even set out to make it chill. I wanted to be, I wanted to have moments of it that were pretty. I had talked to Dessa years back about not having any interest in making a pretty record and then having it click in my head like, oh, I, I'm a couple years older. I would like to make a record that's pretty, <laughs> you know? Um, I didn't know that it was gonna be so chill until it was almost done. The two tentative names for the record were Chill Dummy and Hot Dog. <laughs> um, both names very lighthearted to kind of take the pressure off my first release in three years and like just kind of take it a little ease into it you know and it just by the time there were seven eight songs done and I was still working on the last few it definitely seemed like a chill dummy more than a hot dog it's also a really short record overall it is it is um, it's which, like 35 minutes yeah yep. which is a punk record <laughs> it is a punk record <laughs> how does it feel being back on the road then and, and doing the, the promotional stuff it feels really good it feels good man Having to cancel the tour for We Don't Even Live Here is kind of like, it's kind of like, like I was talking about starting a project and finishing it. You get the reward of having something done, you know? And not being able to like go and support a record and see how it works is like a heartbreaking thing, you know? To like spend, I spent so much time, a lot of money, making that record. That's the most expensive record I've ever made. I made it with like a real producer, first time ever working with a real producer. Guy works with Kanye, and uh, we just happened to have gone to school together, so he was down to work with me. It gave me a reduced rate, but the record sounds amazing, and I poured everything into it, and then just to play the release show and then cancel two and a half months of touring was heartbreaking. And uh, I didn't ever go get to go support that record ever, so adding those songs and some of that stuff mm -hmm. to, you know, the the tours I've been doing since helped. But yeah, that was heartbreaking. Getting out to tour this record has been amazing and hard. Being back on the road has been hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really fun, it's been really good, but it's been long. And you know, when you take three years off, mm -hmm. you gotta do a lot of rebuilding. Yeah. Know? So my strong p places are still strong places, but I did a lot of like, traveling through the midwest and the south and going to places i hadn't been for seven eight years and like rebuilding and it was a hard tour but it was really good my body is up for it and uh i like my life so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the body's doing well then yeah yeah i am i am that's good man yeah man i i mean yeah i i'm very thankful
I mean, that's a that scary situation, but you're, you're now here doing, yeah. uh, talking, talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Some, something went right somewhere. Um, I, wanted to, I was wondering then, the way you're talking about that, is, is, does We Don't Even Live Here feel as though it's about unfinished then? The business is maybe unfinished on it. Because um, you didn't get to do the, the, uh, the big part the, of it. The business is a little unfinished, but at the same time, I'm not dwelling on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the record came out, the people that... I think the record, I think, did better than Never Better. Um... Even with no tour, which means somebody was checking it out. There's definitely <laughs> there's definitely people that come up to me and, and tell me that, you know, never better change my life, you know. And then there's people who are like, I've never heard never better. We don't even live here as much shit, you know. And then on this tour, I met all kinds of people that got into me in January when Chill Dummy came out, mm-hmm. and they I'll see them in the crowd at the show, and. I'll play like anything off Chill Dummy and they'll be losing their minds and then I'll play something off Never Better or Audition and they will like sit there and nod like this is cool but they've <laughs> clearly never heard it you know and that that to me is heartening that feels really good to know that you know I'm I'm able to maintain some of the fans that I've had forever and still pick up brand new people along the way that's you know, that's part of the reason why you do it. You've not lost your capacity to connect with people, which is the best thing. Which is the best thing. Yeah. Which is the best thing. And it's really cool, man, to be able to make totally different records. Some stuff personal, some stuff stream of conscious, some stuff that is just like blunt anarchist dance party stuff and have people be able to find themselves in it in some way or another. Not every song, but enough of it, you know? It's very cool. Steph, it's been a total pleasure talking to you. Hey, Thank you very much. My pleasure, man. This is great. Is there anything you want to say or anything you want to add or anything you want to ask me before we finish? Yeah, how long have you been making a podcast? I want to make a podcast. Yeah, about two and a half years now, man. Nice, dude. And you, should, you should do it. You should, why not? Honestly, I've been uh, writing down different ideas for podcasts in my, in my notes for like a year and a half now. I've been a big podcast listener for about five years now. And uh, the last couple of years I've been thinking of ideas and I think that I've got a couple really good ones. But the last thing I want to do is start something that I can't run for a while. So I'm going to finish working this record, get on to another couple of projects, and get a really nice, solid idea for, like, a mini-series or something I can do 10, 12 of, and yeah, then yeah. stop, and then come back and do 10, 12 of something else, like and then seasons. stop. Yeah, yeah, seasons. Totally totally good idea to do it, man. Doing one every week is hard. I was doing it every week and then I stopped because I was like, it's yeah. just too hard. And I would do it every second week. Yeah, See, that's so great. Much easier. That's great. <laughs> but, yeah, man, big fan of podcasts. Um... Check me out on the internet. I'm all over. I, I'm I'm not huge on social media, so when I do it, I usually make it pretty purposeful. But aside from social media, you can find me at doomtree.net, and uh, <laughs> that that's that's it. That's where I live on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. Thank you very much. I've been a huge POS fan for, God, I don't know, since Never Better came out, so quite a while at least anyway. And it was really great to finally get him on the podcast. I don't know if Steph remembers, but we actually met a few times before when he's played in Glasgow. He's always been a total gentleman, and I'm really glad he was up for the podcast, you know. For some reason I was worried it wouldn't be, but he was a really good guest, and we had, I think we had a really good chat. Also, actually I think having the engine on and the heating on in the car, I did a little bit of 
something extra to the podcast. I don't know. I really like the kind of DIY vibe and I, I like that it's kind of rough and tumble, this thing, you know. And I think that added to it. You are, of course, welcome to disagree. And if you do so, then, you know, get at me on Twitter or something. Um, you know where to find me. But yeah, POS's new album, Chill Dummy, is, is great. All of the stuff he does is great. I hope I didn't come across a bit of sycophantic on the interview. But I'm just a huge fan of his work. Always, I have been, like I said, for a long, long time. And every record is different and I really admire that in an artist it's easy to make the same thing over and over and over again and, and rely on the same tropes and the same techniques that helps you write the greatest songs the last time around but Steph doesn't do that and I think that's to his credit also really a busy guy I know that he was talking about how it's been so long between records but he's been doing a whole bunch of stuff in between as well you should check it all out the Doomtree record the new Shredders record everything that he's done is just you know it's great so I, if you're new go check him out if you're not new then I guess I'm just preaching to the choir but I thank you very much for listening I really appreciate it as always like I usually say and I'm going to say it again if you could give me a wee rating and review on iTunes I would super appreciate that and don't forget to follow me on Twitter at The Curator Pod you can also find me on Instagram with the same tag and on Facebook it's The Curator Podcast hope you enjoyed this episode until next time bye bye